The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Kia ora, I'm Bernard Hickey. But this is not when the facts change. Seeing as you like the first season of This Is Kiwi so much, our friends at Kiwi Bank thought you might enjoy the new season, this time getting into the heads of six extraordinary young New Zealanders. Have a listen while you wait for the next episode of When the Facts Change, and I'll be back on Friday with my regular economics yarns. Kia ora, I'm Jane Yee, and welcome to This Is Kiwi, a podcast series brought to you by Kiwi Bank and the Spin-Off Podcast Network. In this series, I'll meet with incredible New Zealanders who've achieved remarkable things, uncovering what makes them tick and the influences that have helped to shape their ideas. Most importantly, This Is Kiwi will bring you knowledge for better, the incredible power of determination, passion and self-belief that we can all learn from and apply to our own lives every day. So join me on this unique journey as we celebrate the Kiwi spirit and learn what it takes to make a difference. This Is Kiwi. Where ordinary people do extraordinary things. Today I'm joined by Louis Davis, a husband, father, adventurer, and hugely successful content creator. With nearly 2 million followers across TikTok and Instagram, Louis is cutting through the noise by sharing moments of the everyday life he enjoys with his whanau, his wife Ashley, and their two daughters, Anakiwa and Kanoa. Louis' journey in monetizing social media started with a university marketing project long before brands understood the value of user-generated content. He then spent a decade working in the corporate world, and after that, well, lockdowns hit, and he once again found himself storytelling on social media, only this time the brands didn't need convincing to come on board. What's followed since for Louis are two gorgeous daughters and a huge online audience who've fallen in love with his authentic blend of humour, family life, and heartfelt kōrero. Making a career from making content has meant Louis is able to be at home with his kids, and he's super intentional about being present with them and determined to show a side of fatherhood that's outside of the stereotypes. It's a niche on social media Louis wishes didn't exist, and he hopes one day it won't be a niche anymore. It'll be the norm. And if that day comes and it means Louis can't rely on his following to pay his way anymore, well, he'll be perfectly happy about that. Because as you're about to hear, He's very clear about what he wants and needs in life, and it's not social media stardom. This is a really beautiful kōrero about Fano, fatherhood, and a beloved staffy called Theo. Here's Louis Davis on This Is Kiwi. Kia ora, Louis. Welcome to This Is Kiwi. We're really excited to have you in the studio today. Thank you for coming in. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Look, you've got nearly 2 million followers on social, so there's going to be a lot of people listening to this, watching this, who are familiar with your work. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping today we can get to know a little bit more about 
the Louis beyond our screens. <laughs> you have described yourself in your uh, like social bios as husband, father, adventurer of the sea. Tell me, tell me about those roles. It's pretty accurate. That's uh, in that order. My foundation of my life is my commitment to my childhood sweetheart. Met my wife when I was fifteen. Everything good in my life comes after that, you know. And then my my bubbers, you know, my absolute taonga, my two daughters, and my my little staffy. Um, and then my love of the sea. I grew up by the sea. I've just moved home by the sea. And um, yeah, but, uh, amateur spear fisherman, fisherman diver, but very enthusiastic. And professionally, you are a content creator. Yeah, um, stumbled into that um, at university. I, um, I had a, a lecturer, this is a long time ago before the content creator industry as we know started. I, I stumbled into that and had this crazy lecturer. He's actually just retired. Shout out David um, McKee from the University of Waikato. And he used to dance when he walked into class and he'd give out money and he, he like, it was, it was crazy. But he it was so passionate about what he taught in marketing and he, he gave everyone in the 300 class person lecture an A plus on an assignment. He's like, you got three weeks, don't worry about the grade. Just go take something that you love and go out there and convince someone else to pay you for it. Wow. And a mate of mine sitting next to me who's very similar to me in lots of ways, we we just started making like what later became known as vlogs. And uh, we started telling the story of our student life, our student experience. And we, like in a few weeks, we had more followers in university. Like a couple of months, we had more followers in any university in New Zealand. Um, and then we started working with brands and that's how me and Jules paid our whole way through university. This is, a, this is at a time where the industry as we know it, it doesn't exist. You know, yeah. brands are going like, why would I give you that money? And we'd have to say, well, how much would you spend on um, posters this year? And they'd be like, this amount. And then we would say, well, give us that and we'll guarantee you we'll, we'll engage more people and yeah. we'll show you who. We can show you who we're engaging. We can give you actual numbers. <laughs> yeah. You're not just guessing at how many people are And so we're having these weird meetings with these with these big brands at a time where they're like, mm, don't, we don't really know what it is that you do and what value you provide. And then I get towards the end of uni and um, and I start thinking, man, I'm – I need to get a real job. I don't know where this goes. You know, I'm, I'm trying to walk a path that doesn't exist yet. And I um, I think I just got nervous. You know, I, I proposed to my now wife, you know, at the end of university. And I was like, man, I need to, I don't know where this goes. I don't know where this leads. And I kind of gave up. Um, and then I watched, you know, my friends, my peers, you know, persevere, working their job and still making content and stuff. And it all worked out for them. You know, they still, I still have friends today that are making content full time because I admire them, you know, they went after their dreams. And then, but that itch was always there, you know, to make stories, tell stories, make videos. And then um, COVID rolls around, which is like the origin story of every TikToker that mm. um, grew followings, which is, and I just started telling stories again. Um, and that just continued to grow and grow and grow and, um, yeah, then it eventually just grew out of hand. You know, I think we do, we average over 200 million views a month and the um, we have an opportunity to tell huge stories, meaningful stories, and eventually it became enough where I could do it as a job. I remember the first time I was flying back from a whānau hui in Australia and it says your occupation on the... Um, the arrival card and I wrote, I wrote that I was a content creator and when I got off that plane I just started acting like that every day. I was still working at the university at that time. I still had a job that I enjoyed but I just started approaching it, you know, my commitment, my diligence to storytelling and that craft online as a, I approached it as a job and then everything else unfolded in that way. Um, 
and it's just in you know, my highest aspiration with content creation it's not not been to have more followers or money or I'm not motivated by those things my highest aspiration is just to be at home with my kids and I've been given that gift you know granted it's taken millions of people to give me that and I'm so grateful for that but but that's I've reached reached the end goal. My my only thing is, I just want to stay home with my kids, and that's just what I want to maintain. Did you have that plan before you had kids? Like you knew you wanted to have kids, and you were like, "I want to be at home with them," or was it their arrival that made you go, "Damn, this is what I want to do"? Yeah, I I was living in Wellington, like away from where I grew up, away from all of my family. And our first kid arrived, and I knew in my heart, like, this isn't right. You know, I grew up around you know, so many special, important people. I was raised by many people and um, and I wanted that for my kids. And so that feeling just started growing in my heart, which is I, I need to be I need to be home. And um, we just reverse designed it from there. Um, and we realised this could be a path for us to go home. And, yeah, and that's how it's all worked out. It's pretty crazy. So, you know, you're a stay-at-home dad and that's, having been a stay-at-home mum, that's full-time work in and of itself. But then you're also doing the content creation, mm. which is probably pretty busy as well. How do you balance it all? I, I think, first of all, if you're, if you're passionate about storytelling, you know, people that make vlogs or people that make skits, like that part comes easily. So it, that's like your hobby. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you get lucky in the in-between, you're... you're it can be also where you generate revenue as well. And so I get to be home, I get to do things with my family and, and also while I'm telling the story of fatherhood and being a stay-at-home dad, you know, I've been blessed with the opportunity to just have time with my, my family. You know, it's a, it's a mind-blowing thing because I want it for everyone. I realise it's not possible. When, so I'm just real grateful for while I have it right now. Yeah, And it's a real job. Like I know, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, this is a flash in the pan thing, but... You could actually tell us that from, you know, 10 years ago or more, you have, were doing content creation. You took a yeah. break. You came back. It's still there. In fact, it's bigger than ever and it's mm. not showing any signs of slowing. Yeah. Is there a plan B or are you just like, this is it? This is what I do? I'll, I'll take life as it comes, but I know that I still enjoy it and it's, it's always just been a good guide for me in my life is, is do I, what I do with my day, is it meaningful, first of all, and do I enjoy it? And so, Yeah. And I think that that is shifting, you know. Younger people definitely think of this as a job. You know, they, they see it because they, they understand the economics of it. It's like you're, you're never at Christmas going to have your grandparents or your parents understand your job, like when you explain <laughs> it to them, you know. Like uh, if anyone's ever tried to explain NFTs to their great-grandma, that's like trying to explain being a content creator. Like it's like they just they don't want to know and then they're just – yeah, they always forget and they ask you every Christmas. So I've just started making up different answers for my nana. I just say different things to her. Is nana, yeah. on, is, is nana on TikTok? Nah, nah. No. But even if she was, I'm sure she she wouldn't remember and she'd, she'd think of something else next Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things you've told her that you do? All sorts. I'm in, I'm in marketing. I'm a dancer. I'm a, <laughs> all true? Yeah, yeah, all true. I'm a diver. I just yeah. say random things. You're like an inspirational speaker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that, though, because your account is pretty inspiring, particularly for for dads. There's heaps of mum content on, mm. you know, parenting content mostly driven by mums on social media. There's plenty of dads out there doing it too. What makes you a little bit different, do you think? 
I think um, that there's this story we tell about Māori men, and it's that we're the athlete, we're the warrior, the aggressor, the protector, the provider. Like there's a there's an archetype for what we think of as the Māori father, and um, I don't think that is the case. You know, I had a very affectionate, playful, interested dad. I had, you know, I had a dad that was obsessed with me. You know, not not the obvious stuff like being at my sports games, but like, you know, whatever I was interested in, like I could show him Pokemon cards. You know, I could like I'd sit with him and talk about my favorite TV shows. You know, like what whatever I wanted to do, he wanted to do. Like he played games with me. You know, like he was just obsessed with me. And like, um, this is cool. Fakado that I've read about, which is like in early settler journals when they came to New Zealand, like they would record the observations of Māori men and how it was considered chiefly to always have kids hanging off you, you know, running under your legs and like you know to 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 be playful and affectionate and silly with your kids. And I've always resonated with that, and then realised I see that nowhere now in the representation of who we are. And I think telling the story that I do, which is like you know dancing to songs with my with my daughters, like, you know, being playful, affectionate, silly with them, um, as, like, looking the way that I look is, like, is can be quite jarring for people, and I think that's what's interesting. That's I think that's what that's my niche, or that's what people, like, like, it's my point of difference. And my hope, actually, is that I cannibalise myself and the it's not a niche one day, mm. you know. So mm. It's become so normal and so uninteresting. That, that all Māori men um, are like this. It's so normal that, that it isn't an interesting niche online because this is happening all the time. So I, I want I want that to happen. How do you find the confidence to not conform to those stereotypes you mentioned, you know, the, the athlete dad or, um, I don't know, the, the businessman in a suit and tie dad? I think, first of all, it's easy because this was how my dad was, you know. He was so playful and silly and always cracking jokes, always wanted to do stuff, always wanted to be present. He would always miss something to be at something for me. And w- you can go where you know. Mm. And if you have a dad, that that's what you watch, um, you'll find it easy to do that. And that's the privilege that I have. And I hope that my children watch that from me and they do that with their kids. And then maybe... Maybe there's a chance that someone online watches that too and takes something from that uh, and has an opportunity to have an impact on them and their kids. But all I can focus on right now is the way that my dad focused on loving me and looking after me and just focus that on my kids. And maybe some good and maybe some impact will come out of that on others. But if I just focus there with those that love me, those that need me. So do you consider yourself a role model? I, I've been wrestling with that a lot heaps lately and I, I wish I wasn't. I wish I was only responsible to my wife and my kids, but in the times that we're living in, you know, um, people expect more from people with followings. You know, people when people can't get the action they want to see from politicians or their leaders, they, they turn to, or even athletes or actors or whoever. They turn to creators and say, "Bro, you got to do something. You know, you can say something to people. Like, where are you?" And I understand that hurt, and I understand that frustration. And I think I'm wrestling with that because I, you know, and I let people down, and then you feel like, "Man, I hate that I'm being told what to do." And mm. but you also understand that hurt, and people want to see a better world. And so, 
um, I'm reluctantly learning to accept that it's not a choice we, when we have an opportunity to say things, we have to say things. And then wrestling of all that, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're on display for everyone, you know, while we're figuring that out, you know, our mm-hmm. hypocrisies, our contradictions, you know, like, you know, if you, um, yeah, you say something and people go, yeah, but you did this or you think like that, that happens. And I, and I, I also just don't, don't want to, the instinct to be to, to defend myself or mm-hmm. anything, you know, like I just know people want the world to be a better place with less harm. And so that's, that's the tension that all creators are experiencing right now. And the bigger your following is, the more people will give you that responsibility. So, yeah, that's my... That's super, super complex, eh? Mm. Like, there's definitely a lot more um, going on in this world than I think a lot of people would suspect. It's one thing to sit on one end of your phone and scroll through, but when you're actually the person making the content and doing it a lot of the time, mm. there's a lot of moving parts that you have to take into consideration, not least of which is, you know yourself and your family and um, how much you expose yourself and your family online, I guess. How do you manage that? Yeah. That's real, that's real tough, eh? Because the, you know, I'm, I'm making a decision as a parent for something that the way, the way that I want to live my life and, you know, my family comes along for the ride, you know, and that, that happens in all things, you know, like if your dad was a rowing coach, you're probably going to row, you know, if you're, if your parents were a pastor, you're probably going to church every Sunday. And, there, and there's, there's harm in that, you know, like in these places we take our kids and they just have to weigh up the net positive versus mm-hmm. the net negative, which is, you know, it is a curated, you know, existence we, or stories that we tell the world, you know, it, my children are home, they are safe, and we just have to weigh that up and continuously weigh that up. And, and maybe one day we'll reach a time where we're like, mm, we don't want to be family content creators. And then maybe that will that will come. Uh, I believe my core mission, um, what I talked about before, the story I want to tell about Father kind of guides me at the moment. But, yeah, if we reach a time where we feel like it's unsafe or it's not the future for us, it gives them, we'll just move away from it. Like the skills or the passion for storytelling, like there'll be other things, mm. you know, you can tell other stories. You know, life is full of stories to tell. And this is just a story that, that means something to me at the moment that I want to tell. You live in a pretty small community. Everyone mm. must know that you're a pretty big shot, you know. Well, where I live, I live in the middle of nowhere, and so you either knew me growing up, which you make a point of of treating me no different. <laughs> Reminding oh, you yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or you're retired and you just don't care. <laughs> yeah, I was having an ice cream with, with this old couple on the beach with my daughter, and um, the – Oh, I can't remember what I said, but they asked what I do, and I actually tried to explain to them. And then they started showing me, oh, so you're like this. And they showed me this cat meme account, which they love, which is like, so you make these? And I was like, oh, that's, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And you, and they're just fast. And I was trying to explain to them. And I just, this is an interesting moment where they, I don't know, they obviously really like that one meme page. So like maybe it's the only meme page they found as an elderly retired couple, so they think it's the only page, but yeah. I tell you what, they'll be getting served a lot of cat content yeah. if they're just consuming that one yeah. that one account. Then yeah. Everything that comes up in their sponsorships yeah. will be cat content because yeah. that's all I'm getting at the moment. It's funny, they took a photo of me and I was like, why do you want this photo? I was like, oh, just in case. <laughs> what, just, what do you mean just in case? I don't even know what they mean, just in case we need it. <laughs> That's so funny. Just in case you get like super famous. Yeah, that we that I start making cat I cross over into the cat community, the cat niche. Yeah. Do they all know your KFC story? Um 
Yeah, it's interesting that that still follows me around. Like the I <laughs> tell us the story. Yeah, for for those of you that have got married, it's a long day. Most of us get married in summer, so it's hot and long, and you're tired and hungry. And for some extra reason, we were taking photos at different locations, and we we um, drove past KFC, and I asked to stop, and I set everyone up to take a photo. This is my content brain I've had since I was a child. And I just thought it'd be an interesting moment to capture. And I changed my profile picture when we got back in the car. My wife was very angry. That was the first photo <laughs> I shared of our private wedding. Is she still angry? Um, she was actually for quite a while. <laughs> it, um, but yeah, the, it, um, that has followed me. It went viral. Like it, it's everywhere. Like, you know, the next morning I had um, people trying to arrange interviews for the New York Times, having to post, you know, Daily Mail, Mirror, all the New Zealand radio stations. And it was like, it's out of it. That still follows me around. That still, it's still something that comes up. I don't later. reckon you're the only person who's got a wedding photo outside KFC, eh? Like, nah, it's just, surely. Yeah, it still follows me around. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think she's. It's a good two truths, one lie moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. Totally. Yeah. My first, um, my first stop with my first child and new baby in the car on the way home from the hospital was the KFC drive through. No. I understand the pull. <laughs> um. So, in terms of this being a, a viable career for you, how much has your financial situation changed going from like the corporate world mm. into content creation? Yeah, I I think. Well, it's kind of where we first started was when we, our second baby was on the way. We just w- worked out what's the minimum amount of money we need to just be home with our kids. We just started there. And we just we sacrificed and saved and prepared for that over a, like a two-year period actually um, to just both be home for a year and we'd come home to live like where we grew up. And that was kind of our first plan. But then like content creation kind of picked up and sped up and um, – yeah, it's looked after us more than could have ever imagined. You know, we've got an awesome team at We Are Tenzing that have made some amazing things happen. And um, it's definitely a viable career. You definitely don't need to have millions of followers before you start earning an income or, or even a full-time income. Um, yeah, it's like the more meaningful stories you tell, the more you reach, the more you grow, though, like the more opportunities that come. You know, when you have attention, that's something you can trade. In this day and age, it's very valuable in a world that's full of so much noise. Um, yeah, I, I guess your question, I guess the the biggest shift is you went from like selling your a year of your life at a time, like, you know, this is the salary I agree to work for a year in this place, in this space with my wairua and my time. And then you, you move into a different space, which is that people are valued, people pay a price for the value of your, audience and um that's out of it because you can earn periods where you earn no money and then your parents where you earn lots of money and, mm. and um, it's just that if you come from like my upbringing you know like it's a pretty scary or out of it way of thinking about money you know and you the it's just different from the matrix i grew up in yeah tell me about your childhood what did you what was what was little louie like yeah, I had I had awesome parents. You know, I had like lots of experiences. You know, I had parents that always wanted to do stuff that were adventurous. You know, lots in the, lots in the outdoors, like just lots of sport. Um, but yeah, just a very normal upbringing. I had hard hardworking parents that um, just wanted a nice life for us, but like um, their life was committed to serving their community, and so 
it still is to this day. So we didn't have like super nice things, but we had a great life. Yeah. And what do they do to serve the community? My parents like um, do youth work um, for an organisation called Te Oraho. Um Yeah, my my pops forty plus years. Then this is the calling of their life. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, and so. Um, lots of amazing values come from that. You know, it's a it's a privilege to be generous. It's a privilege to serve, and your life will be full and like meaningful if you if you wrestle with those things appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. So, what sort of things? I mean, obviously, apart from what you've already said, but what sort of values have you taken from your parents uh, that you want to emulate with your own children? Uh, first of all, just being super present. You know, being around, having a time for it. You know. Yeah, we can often make the role of what we can, what can we give to our kids? You know, yeah. what what life can we build for them? You know, what can we leave behind for them? Or, but but instead, what about just being super present? And that and that was my parents. You know, always interested, always around, and I guess that's what I want. Um, I had a father that role modelled loving my mum. You know, and I know that's not everyone's situation, but. How how important that singular Poe has been for my life, where I watched my dad love my mum my whole life. Yeah, the, my my pops is my hero, and everything he does is so meaningful to me. But um, that as a singular thing has been so important because I, um, you know, to honour my wife, to love my wife, is to also, um, you know, honour and love my children. Um, it's beautiful. You struck a chord with me. <laughs> it's be- really beautiful. It's really important. It's really important. I, I come from a family where my parents are not not so much like your parents and um, you're really fortunate and I think it's amazing that you see that for what it is, acknowledge how significant that is and are also doing that for your, your tamariki. So, kapai. Whew. Back to the money. <laughs> what sort of conversations did you have around money at home with your parents when you were growing up? Did you have conversations about money? No, nah, we, we didn't have conversations about money. I um, We had a stable life. My, my parents had me everything I needed and even really wanted. Like I had a, they created the illusion that everything was easy, you know, everything was all good. Um, but like something my parents always talked about was prioritizing the experience, um, which is a privileged position to be able to do that. I acknowledge that. But the, do you know, to have the ice cream or to, to go on you know, the camping trip or like go and do different things. And, you know, um, yeah, parents can be real critical about lots of things that you're, you're doing your decisions. But one thing like my parents have never criticized the decision to travel or go do something or try something. They've always believed in the importance of that. And I think that, that's kind of how me and Ash lived our life, you know. In our first few years of marriage, you know, we went to 30-something countries, you know, when we should have been saving for a house and <laughs> things. But, you know, we um, we don't regret those decisions. And I think that's what, what we learned. I, I watched, like, a pretty traditional approach to, like, long-term finance, you know, like work, um, mortgage, paid down. You know, my dad's real handy, so, like, buying, renovating, selling mm. houses. Um was something you could do because you can do all the stages of that. Um, but um, I didn't. I didn't see an example of selling your worth or, or selling 
selling something that wasn't your time. Like, you know, I didn't see that as a, until I was an adult. You know, I've seen other people that work in different spaces where they sell their value or they sell something different. Mm. You know? And I, I didn't see that. I don't view it as a bad thing now, but I also it also can be a, a crazy thing to watch when you think about how hard your parents work or how hard some people work and the trade-off or what they sacrifice to do that, you know. Some employers are really, really lucky to have employees like that. Um, um, tell me about your girls. Yeah, so my, um, well, first my son, Theodore, he's our staffy. Um, I, I hate that his name's Theodore. We trained him in Del Māori, but that, that was the <laughs> name that Ash wanted to name him. I'm sorry um, that I left out, <laughs> I left out Theodore when it's I my first son. Oh. I love him to bits. He, he paved the way for my two children to arrive. He's my first boy, my son, and he's getting pretty slow and grumpy now. He's not that old, he's six, but I think he, he's gotten used to the beach lifestyle. He's, you know, he, well, we don't mandate any of his walks anymore, so he's starting to... Um, you watch, I'm going to talk heaps about my dog, and I'm going to gloss <laughs> over my kid. <laughs> but um, the, oh yeah, that's, that's the old boy. Um, and um, then I have um, Anakiwa, who um, is named after the place... Um, uh, down in Totoranui, where some people listen might know as the campus for Outward Bound. The, na- the one, Tatiao, one of the things they believe is Kiwa the Tanifa, um, the Maori name for the Pacific Ocean is Timuana Nui Akiwa, and we we believe Kiwa is one of the mightiest Tanifa, and yeah, that's my that's that's my Anakiwa. And then we have Kano. Kano was born um, at home. It was amazing. Um, so proud of my wife and everything was amazing. We were just at home and then um, that night after baby was born, just started just spewing, just couldn't eat and rushed to hospital and um, they like, put us in a chopper and they took us to Starship and it was it was the, the worst first day of your child ever. And um, it was, yeah, like my family had to say goodbye to my daughter, like... We didn't know if she was going to make it. Her she was born of her her puku was twisted, and so she couldn't process anything, and so her life was at risk. And we went through this real traumatic experience where we didn't know if we were going to have our taonga. And um, yeah, the amazing staff at um, Stasha they saved our daughter, they saved her life. She had um, heart-to-air surgery as a two-day-old baby. Mm-hmm. They opened up her puku and operated on her and um, they saved her and she just got stronger and stronger every day from there and then we got to take her home and we get to enjoy her now. We get to watch her grow. Um, we get to love her and be loved by her. and um, Yeah, when, when we were thinking about how to name her, we... We were trying. Well, I think I was. I was looking at like tran- translations for like um, something around the fuck out or like things being twisted or something like that. And um, my wife didn't like that, and we, we chose Khan or um, and the fuck out or with it to to live your life without um, limitations. You know, to live life without expectations or worry, or just to go forth and live. And that's the gift my daughter has been given. And we're thankful that every day she just had her last checkup with the surgeon last week and she's all good. Awesome. That's so beautiful. Uh, that's hard stuff though. It's super full-on stuff and you live your life quite publicly. 
How important is it to share the hard things with your followers as well? Mm. It's hard, eh? I, I, I definitely have shared hard things, but is it hard if I'm willing to share it, you know? And so are the real hard things the stuff that I won't, I don't share? Because it is a curated life, you know. We, we do make this, no matter how hard something is, you know, we, we make the decision to upload something. And so I always try to remind people that it is a curated life. Mm. You know, whatever you see, like everyone has hardship and struggle and um, worries and the – so always remember that when you see someone's life online. Um and then I think it's okay to share a hard thing that you've gone with, gone through with as long as, and I can be guilty of this, is not skipping going through the hard thing with with my wife or my kids or mm. my parents or my father or mm. my friends because you can get a lot of support instantly. You know, millions of people can shower you and Afi and support and um, – you can't skip over going through the hard stuff, the pain, the the resolving with you know with your loved ones. You got that part has to come first, and then once it is, that's tough. You can you can think about how you want to involve people because because mm. you want to help or share or yeah. Because other people go through hard things, mm. and sometimes seeing that stuff, particularly I think on accounts where you're used to seeing um, a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, a lot of fun. And then you can kind of see that sort of more serious, difficult stuff um, reminds them you're human <laughs> mm. and it can be relatable for people, you know, uh, who've also been through similar things. Mm. Did you get lots of messages from people who have been in similar positions? You, you get, I get messages from people all the time about, yeah, like what I said, like they put you in like a role model position. Like yeah. Nice messages, mean messages, you know, or people policing you, like how you should or shouldn't have done something. Yeah, That's let, cool, like when they've seen like literally 15 seconds of your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're telling you how yeah. you should suck it. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I, it, it's way worse for um, mum creators. Like I think there's just way more normal to write something judgmental on me. Why is that? I, I think that my bar is so low that I look amazing whatever I do. So I can be real average, but that's... I could be, yeah, I could be real average compared to my wife, who's amazing, and and I'll just get showered with praise. Because you're a dad doing the yeah. thing that yeah. most people expect mothers yeah. to be doing. Yeah, like literally millions of people will watch me because I get my kids dressed in the morning, you know, and I, I eat with them and I feed them and I sit with them. You know, like that's kind of where we're at. I talk about that when I whenever I have a chance, actually. Yeah, that's why I don't make a Father's Day video each year because I, I – and I always use it as a chance to talk about mums because, yeah, and I always talk about that exact point. There's a video about every year on Father's Day which is like what I'm doing is not exceptional and, you know, there's a mum out there who's mum and dad right now mm. and that's that's a powerful, meaningful story that should be sponsored by major brands. Mm. just happens that mine is. Mm. How do you balance um – working with brands when you've got such a strong sense of what your co-pop is with your account? Um, how do you make sure that they align with what you're doing and that sort of thing? Because it can be, you know, a, a bit of a tricky area to navigate. Yeah. I guess just um, that have a have a compass for like to start is what you already eat 
or we already go, or yeah. we already shop. Just start with your own life, because at least you know that oh, this is my life. You know, and, and you can be genuine about yeah, what you're supporting. To get there, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of how I navigate that. It's uh, it's so it sounds like quite an idyllic mm. yeah. lifestyle that you have with your um, you know, it's everything mm. that you wanted. Tell me what like your average days like. Kiwa and Carmel both wake up at seven, same time. Boom. Ash is out during that time on her run. And then so I'll um, set Kiwa up um, with something, with her kai or something she wants to do or she loves the wiggles. Um, the wigg- Side story, the wiggles all follow me on social media now. Wow. And it's part of my long play <laughs> to make my daughter's dream come true of um, meeting all the wiggles. Those guys have got got a good Luch, thing going. So hi, John. <laughs> watching Is this. Simon still in there? Is he still? Anthony. You think of Anthony? No, I'm thinking of Simon. The uh... oh no, Simon's a new. Yeah, he's a new yeah, wiggle. Yeah, yeah he's the a new wiggle. Oh, I mean, new from. Yeah. He's still been yeah, there. Yeah, no, he's a middle wiggle. Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, a normal day. Wake up, have family time together in the morning. Eat breakfast, hang out. We might go to the beach. Nine thirty, Carnal goes to sleep, um, and then we do something with Anakiwa. Um, Kano wakes up from a morning nap. We do something as a family. Um, we do something with family or one of me or Ash will peel off and do some admin. Yeah. And then we'll come back together, um, eat lunch, and then Kano will go to sleep. And then Kiwa will have something quiet time. So I might be laying on the couch or sometimes we'll put her in the car to put her to sleep. We'll go do something quiet with Kiwa and the other person will do their admin. Right, afternoon rolls around, something together as a family. Uh, it's starting to get hot, so being outside is difficult, so it'd be something kind of slow around the house. Evening routine, you know, baths, all that sort of stuff. Um, not nice. Kids go to bed at six. Editing first. So the upload schedule is ready for the day. So it's kind of when our work day, work day starts. And then um, we're real bad at this, but um, trying to spend some intentional time together after the work stuff happens because all of our quality time is everyone together all day. And so, but I, I'm not going to lie. It's often just lying near each other on our phones. Yeah. That's, lying, yeah. that's a, that's just the modern world, yeah. you know, that's yeah. just how we, uh, yeah. But, um, uh, my, my mother-in-law comes in, um, comes out and usually stays once a week for like a night or two. And that's real cool. Um, I'll go diving or fishing at least once a week. Um, Ash is a passionate F45-er, so she'll drive an hour away to the wow. nearest town where there is to go do it. And um, she also sometimes just stays in town and does Ash things. I'm just like trying to do the math on that. That's like an F165-er yeah, by the long, time you yeah, take She loves it. That's uh, all right. Yeah. Day time with the kids. Yeah. But then we just do this week on we do this week on loop and then, you know, in the warmer months, like now, like we always have visitors on the weekend and stuff. So people come and yeah, it's cool. We have visitors all weekend, and it's a very visitable place. It's like that like people want to come. If you say you should come, it's not like you know we live somewhere you don't want to visit. Yeah, sounds awesome. Um, you are living your dream at the moment. What are some of the when we we talk about money? What are some of the things that you would like for your daughters and whatever children come thereafter to? No, in terms of foundation. And Theo. And Theo, of course, Theo. <laughs> Do you have funny conversations with Theo? Yeah, he's, pro- he's probably the most responsible person <laughs> in his house. You know, he, he doesn't eat his dinner when it first comes out. He rations it out over the 24-hour period until 
his bowl gets refilled. Yeah, he's not a smart cookie. Smart. Yeah. Um, for my kids, um, I, I honestly think I'll pass on the same thing, which is you be kind and generous, which aren't great financial principles by the book. You be kind and you be generous. I think they're pretty good universal principles. Yeah, true, true. We're on the same page. And um, you be good to people and they'll be good to you. Um, one of the most important financial rules I think you can have is that like, your relationships are one of your most strongest financial assets. And so you look after people, you're good to people, meet as many people as you can, cast a net as wide as you possibly can, um, and, and good things will happen for you. Um, and then um, I just want my kids to understand the value of stuff. And when you're a content creator, you know, you can lose sight of that mm. because you get sent stuff. It's a really good point. You know, you can get sent. Like we have clothes turn up at our house every day, toys, you know, like all of the baby, their baby products, like everything like just comes because we have an audience. And I, I, we just have to make sure if we continue to do this, we might not, but that they they understand the value of stuff, Yeah. If there's one thing Kiwi could do this week to start achieving their goals, what would you recommend that be? Um, you need to you need to write a budget, and if that seems scary and overwhelming, and you you don't you don't know what to do, just use an AI bot, use ChatGPT or Bard or something. And then, if you want to be more advanced than that, talk to someone who can help you write a budget that writes budgets. Um, yeah, I don't know if. You've seen the the budgets that uh, AI can run. They're pretty amazing. Pretty they can be pretty personal and yeah, um, that's where I'd start. So you know where your money goes. Even if you don't stick to your budget, there's something about you. You actually feel just better. You feel more in control of your life when you have a budget. It gives you the opportunity to take stock of where you're at, mm. right? Yeah, even if it's real bad, which I think is what a lot of people are feeling right now. Yeah, at least you know where you're at. And then you can just start ordering orders. Yeah. And improve that budget. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, um, I have actually learned a lot from you here today and it's been really amazing talking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Give my love to your girls and to Theo. This is Modern Fatherhood. This is Louis Davis. This is Kiwi. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.